and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Palindrome Hannah Rogers. Hey, Hannah, how's it going? Don't skip arm day for five years and then try and do it all in one day. That's all I have to say. Oh, my God. Did you... I, the, as an over exaggeration, but we did tulip beds yesterday. I oh. guess that's, I, I guess like also daffodils, but whatever. We did tulip beds yesterday. That's what I'm really excited about. And um, we have clay soil in Durham, North Carolina, and breaking that up, don't recommend. That's what I have to say about my adventures in gardening. So, but you're excited. I, mean, I was going to say, how does it look? But it looks like a pile, a pile of dirt. But like, presumably, in like six or seven months, it's going to be really pretty. I guess maybe like four or five, really, because like it's, it's like December. things start in March. March, yeah, okay, four months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, and actually, it seems like procrastination might help me with this because. You know, North Carolina is warmer than some regions in the United States, to say the least. So it actually, like, according to the experts at the local gardening store, we're picking just the right time to plant our bulbs so the soil isn't too warm. So fingers crossed something pops up from all this effort. But I guess, if not, I got exercise. Sure. Yeah. This is not a gardening show. I was wondering. This is no, but you know, always beginning of the show is always my favorite because, like, it's just like, hey, let's talk about something completely unrelated to what we're talking about. (laughs) Sometimes we find a way to wrap it back around, but I got nothing this time. I got there. There are. I'm. I gave myself a gift, and it's Christmas Uh, time, and their gifts at Christmas. That's all I got. You, you did a you did an artisanal working the land kind of gift too, so which will um, be relevant. Oh, like like a small town mm-hmm. kind of Christmas. Yeah, small town Durham. People from New York think Durham's a small town, but no one true. else does. That's true. So, okay, if you listen to our show, you have heard for this. I believe this is the fifth year. So, for the last five years, we've done this show every Christmas time where we talk about a favorite pastime of mine and Hannah's. We talk about cheesy Christmas movies, the kinds that you see on a, on a lifetime or on a Hallmark channel. And we sort of review them, talk about our love for them. And, you know, eagle eared listeners will realize that so far, none of our regular co-hosts except for myself and Hannah have spoken because they hate joy and they never come for this episode. Except Monica <laughs> one time. Monica one time came because she was new to the show and didn't realize that, you know, she could just skip it. But I, I don't believe <laughs> actually she considered coming this time, but she's in the middle of final papers for, you know, for, for her semester. And, you know, we basically said, no, you cannot use this as an excuse. You should go do and go be academic. So maybe she'll be here next year. Maybe because she'll be out of coursework by then. But we have guests. We have guests this time. And I guess I'll do them in order. I will first introduce Gwen Tarpox, who has been on this show before. Welcome back, Gwen. Well, welcome back, you two. Always happy to talk about Christmas movies. Yeah. So you were here 
not last year, two years ago, I guess, talking about Christmas movies and what made you fascinating as a guest is you've actually taught a class about cheesy Christmas movies. Well, I created a course that then my TA taught, but okay. it was super successful. And I don't do too much teaching right now because I'm an administrator. But if I go back, this will be a class I will offer in a fall semester. So. so and I, you know, it's the kind of thing where it's like, OK, technically I have a doctorate, but I would. Yeah, I was going like to say do math course. and I get to sign up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And I also want to welcome for the first time, at least the first time for this show, Justin Weigard. Hey, Justin. Hey, y'all. Happy <laughs> to be here. And also, I also very much want to sit in on, on that class. I think it's like the hallmark. Ha! Hallmark of a great class is that a bunch of academics want to continue taking more coursework. <laughs> <laughs> yes, people whose job it is to be professional nerds are like, oh, more school. Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> Justin, you have a some something of a bit of expertise with cheesy Christmas movies as well. What very strong fandom. I've written about my, my co-editor and I put out a edited collection on sci-fi original movies, so like telefilms, and then we also that got started because we were watching every week we would sit down on Wednesdays and watch one of the garage sale mysteries with Lori Laughlin. That was like our way of getting through our comprehensive exams. And so we ended up writing about those and that kind of spawned our, our academic interest. But no, I just, just really like watching these movies every year, uh, year in and a year out. Lori Laughlin, for those who don't know her, is a noted <laughs> criminal mastermind. <laughs> she is uh, Lori. Oh, well, we should tell who is Lori Laughlin. That matters here. She is Aunt Becky from Full House. Is that probably her most famous thing? I would imagine. Is that fair? I mean, that's yeah, yeah up, up until the scandal, I would say. <laughs> she um, also played the original Black Canary on the short-lived Birds of Prey television show, of which I have watched every episode. Like there, Lori Lachlan is, you know, she's a, she was a, she's been a working actress for a long time up until, I guess, th three years ago, four years ago, when she became a criminal mastermind. <laughs> the, um, I, so she was implicated in the rich people faking sports to get their kids into college scam that uh, I guess the, the most famous people were her and Felicity Huffman, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think it's kind of colloquially called the varsity blues scandal. It was also like deeply ironic. Mitch and I were like writing about how the garage sale mysteries have sort of this like tenuous relationship with like most of the, you know, like a lot of cozy mysteries. Most of the time, the criminals are like white collar criminals for the most part. And then like, of course, production shut down immediately because their star took, you know, took part in white collar criminal activity which is very fun we our co-editors kind of bought us enough time that we got to like put in a tiny little like footnote into our conclusion uh right like right when that kind of broke out so that was kind of a fun little touch to that chapter mm -hmm. wow. so yeah I, I do want to note just to wrap it back Lori Lachlan did because she, she's she you know she she's out of the joint now as as it were hardened criminal <laughs> She is on the loose and she did do a Christmas movie this year, though I did not catch it. So I was wondering if anybody did. I didn't know, but no, she had done one. Which one was it and what channel? Well, what's really interesting is she didn't, she's not the only Laughlin 
it's a Christmas blessing with Great American, but then her daughter is also in one, I think. Like the cheating scandal daughter? Yes, this, I think Olivia is in one as well. <laughs> Let me double check. This is why we have this is why we have databases, by the way. I am so grateful that you I I have shared your Excel sheet that you're sort of putting yeah, together. Yeah, I told him to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very grateful because I had to rely on a, a similar database for our sci-fi book. It's so helpful. Seen yeah. some of these, but I couldn't keep track of who's what. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> no, I guess it's, you know, I think it's Cam- Candace Cameron Bure's daughter. I get them all oh. so confused. So, yes, Lori Lachlan. And I didn't get a chance to watch it slash couldn't bring myself to watch it. But she did a film this year called Christmas Blessing for the Great American Family Network, which we talked about last year, which is the Great American Family Network is sort of the thing that people think these cheesy Christmas movies are. And in like they would make fun of them on like an SNL only it's actually that and it's bad because it is it's this thing where Candace Cameron Bure or Bray, I don't know how she pronounces her last name, but she left the Hallmark Channel. I think she was at the Hallmark Channel most recently, and she basically left them because they were too gay and not Christian enough. So she moved to this other network where they made her creative director and she is in charge of making these faith based, cozy films but they're well i guess the word is bad they're very bad <laughs> they're all disturbingly milk toast and just without any controversy and nothing remotely gay and to be clear mm-hmm. you're comparing these as bad as compared to lifetime like and hallmark yeah, and and yes compared to all of the other networks where people think that oh my god these are so weird no this is really just the toothless but Everybody is Uber Christian Network. And I tried to watch a couple of them last year. I did manage to force myself through one that starred Danica McKellar. As much as I love her, I did not do that again this year. And and I just could not bring myself to watch any of the other ones. When have you seen it? Have you seen the Lurie Lachlan one? No, but what I'll say is it's really interesting in this whole game of who stays and who goes. Mm-hmm. Because... For instance, this year, Kelly Martin hasn't made any of these movies, but she co-produced the movie I watched yesterday with Danica. They co-produced it together. So I don't know, but it's weird because like some of these folks this year are on Great American Family, but they're also on Hallmark. But I agree with you that overall, the writing is terrible and I haven't been able to make it through more than about 10 minutes of any of them, including the Lori Laughlin one. So I can say that I've watched a portion of some of them, but I just cannot hang in there because they are so maudlin and poorly written. So I never even tried. I'm not going to lie to you all. I, well, I so the, 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 can I just say that the advertising between like the two seconds of filming before they go to an ad is so bad as well that the whole thing is just really pretty awful. What what's interesting is that like uh, for for like monsters, I promise I have stuff to say about like the Hallmark, like the like the Christmas ones. I watched a couple the, this morning even, but like there's a real drop off in quality for those too. Like there's like the ones that air on Sci Fi Channel are you know kind of of a 
similar quality to like Hallmark and Lifetimes. But then if you go watch ones that are on, say, Tubi or Pluto, like their original ones, it, they're hard to get through in that same way. But I don't think that they're quite as regressive and icky, outwardly regressive and icky, I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Can yeah. I have a confession. I've only seen two new sure. cheesy Christmas movies. Yeah. I saw Xmas, which starred Leonton Meester from Gossip Girl fame. And that was on like free TV, I think. And like the only other thing I've seen from free TV is Jury Duty, which is actually really amazing. And James <laughs> Marsden got an Emmy nomination for his supporting actor role. So we talk about Jury Duty. We might do a show. We might do an episode where we talk well, more about I, Jury Duty. Yeah, but I guess I can at least plug it on Things You Miss, which is not this. So I'll move on from <laughs> waxing poke about Jury Duty. But like, but let's just say that Xmas is not of Jury Duty quality. No. And then I saw, because Gwen was generous and shared a list of, with us, I finally worked myself up to watching Netflix's best Christmas ever, which I'd heard was the worst Christmas film ever from like several <laughs> people on Facebook and Reddit complaining about Netflix. And I honestly think I agree. And like, you know, we kind of talked about superhero fatigue a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and I'm like, am I getting like Christmas, cheesy Christmas movie fatigue? Like, I, I mean, like, I'm kind of worried about like how many of these things are just being mindlessly produced because over the past, I don't know, a couple of years, like part of Mavs and my argument has been, well, okay, like some of these aren't like, yeah, no, it's a wonderful life, but like they mm -hmm. have like some meaningful things to say. And some of them like, like they're cheesy, but they're fun. And, but like great American family is not that. And no. best Christmas ever. It hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it too. I watched Best Best Christmas Ever as well. Did anybody else watch it? Not me. Ten minutes um, of it. You're going to see a theme here with me, okay? Yeah. Which is ten minutes of it. <laughs> I didn't hate and it as I much as Hannah did. Brandy, so so like, yeah. don't get me wrong. I mean, I really I'll watch almost anything that Brandy is in. And this year, though, I basically told myself life is short. I'm getting older, and if I get ten minutes in and I just want to scream. I'm turning it off and going and doing something else. So, no, that's very wise. I think. Yeah, I just I will say that I fast forwarded through parts of this movie because I just couldn't sit through it. But I thought that like it would be worth having something for me to talk about with concrete specificity on this episode. So I stuck it out for the podcast. All the things one does for this podcast. I didn't hate it as much as Hannah did. It is not good. It is. It is. Well, and Hannah, you finished it. So I wonder yes. if you'll agree my, with my 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 feeling is essentially it's basically two, maybe even two and a half movies just glued together. Just like the, there is a the, the third act of this film is almost entirely unrelated to the first two. First two acts are a huge swing. I think that there was an interesting premise. I think that they had interesting things to say. And I think that there's so much tonal inconsistency between trying to 
wanting to make this movie that sort of deconstructs Christmas movies versus wanting to make kind of a goof. I guess I would compare one one thing that going for is sort of the like the National Lampoon's vacation style film, you know, where they want to have this screwball family comedy and they want to do it. It's just uh, there were a lot of swings at a lot of things. And then, oh, and it also needs to be a vehicle for Brandy to sing a couple of Christmas tunes because, you that know, it's the best part. Yeah, because it's Brandy. And like, <laughs> if you got her, you know, you're going to have her sing. There's a lot. There's just so much that happened in this film. And then they also want to just throw in like, like the tropes of Christmas movies that we've developed or the tropes of the modern Christmas movie. So you need to have this precocious kid. So they threw in three of them and there's no and it's like, why? You know, because they have to be there. And so like they're all underserved. And then you get to you get like two thirds of the way through the movie and then it just becomes an entirely different movie that whereas the first movie is sort of about the crassness and capitalism of Christmas and like and how we're all sick of this. And then it just becomes this movie about friendship halfway, not halfway through, two thirds of the way through. It's just like, I mean, oh, Green Power Friendship. It's a different movie now. I preferred that because it was like, like, so the first third of the movie, Heather Graham's character is portrayed as like the most unlikable person in the world with no redeeming qualities whatsoever. It's like, so like the first third of the movie is like meet the parents, but with like friendship. But one of the people, like like Ben Stiller, like you root for him to some degree. Like you're like, oh no, Ben Stiller, stop. You're like walking into something you don't want to do. But Robert De Niro is like totally a jerk and he's just trying to like impress his girlfriend's family. Like you understand Heather Graham's character is just mean and jealous. And even whenever she's, and even when she's portrayed as like, even whenever she's technically right, because like one of the things she is concerned about is like financial stability and having an emergency savings fund and not investing in like real estate to flip houses, which is like, not maybe not like you know like it, it makes it like her husband like maybe like has the skills to do this i don't know like it makes mm-hmm. her sound like an annoying nagging like jealous yeah. harpy of a wife who like like there's no magic she's not spontaneous she like looks down on her kids and her family and wants more and is like so bitter at her own failure she like can't see the good in anyone else and like right. Bitter at her own failures of being a top scientist at this at a science corporation. I mean, I, there's no way, better way of saying it. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but she's mad because this stepping stone job of what of being what would one would presume is a relatively she's got a Ph.D. and she's in product development for a company that she doesn't like because she's you know not doing her own thing. She's working for a company that's. And then there's like this drama, you know, and then like separate from Heather Graham, there's like this throwaway, like few lines about Africa that reminded me of like Trevor Noah's like first or one of the first couple of his appearances on the daily show where he like skewered, like the, you know, let them know it's Christmas time song. Mm-hmm. And that was just like, Oh good. This trope is back. And then like, you know, women hating each other, but actually not. And, and then there's like this whole thing about like hey let's point out that the santa claus myth can be harmful because you know people talk about kids being naughty and nice but like actually let like it's actually like if kids get gifts correspond to income and also let's like talk about class differences but not really and then also let's have 
the mortgage rate that is so awful be portrayed as 4.4%. No one in America right now is like 4.4%. That's too high. And I, and like, I know like this is, you know, a cheesy Christmas movie, but like, I think I'm kind of annoyed about how the movie like kind of hints at like some things that are actually like serious things people experience. And then it just like, is like, look, last differences in Christmas and how this thing is. And let's hand wave it away because of Christmas. And let's be really ridiculous. And also like, let's have like women, like not be financially responsible to make their husbands happy. And it's like, what, what is this anyway? We can stop talking about this movie, but you know, <laughs> it, it's a roller coaster. I, I'll give it that. The problem with it is it's got a lot of cringe humor where, like, where the joke is, "Oh my god, this is so uncomfortable, this horrible." So there is a point where here, I'm gonna I'm spoilers for this film that no one's going to watch. Uh, there's Especially a point right now. Where, yeah, there's a point where where it is eventually determine that oh heather graham's actually doing the wrong thing and everyone turns on her and she's very sorry and in doing that she destroys this family heirloom dollhouse that brandy's character has um she, it's not like she does it on purpose she accidentally knocks over this family heirloom dollhouse that brandy's character had spent months restoring for her, her husband and her daughter and she destroys it it just shatters and then she's like oh i'm sorry i've ruined christmas and it was like yeah you kind of did and the reason you ruined christmas was because you were jealous of your friend for being too successful and then the friend took took you in at christmas time and has been nothing but nice to you yes it is kind of a well rich people are annoying because brandy's character is the is the upper class everything appears to be perfect for her kind of oh well wow your life is too perfect and i get why you're annoyed by her but oh my god are you being a bitch to her because these people are taking care of you they're being like they're, they're being nice to you and also in order to give her kind of a reason J jason biggs plays heather graham's husband and I guess he and Brandy used to date in college. So now she's sort of jealous of her, of Brandy, because, oh, my God, you used to date my husband. But also, I kind of want to fuck your husband because your husband's super hot. And like, <laughs> there's so much going on that's just like it's impossible to like anybody. And then and the, in the third act, Brandy and Heather Graham just make up and they move on. And they're instead trying to, like, save Christmas for everybody. It's a completely different movie. <laughs> But like, there's also like this really horrifying twist that's given like no emotional weight because it's Christmas yeah. and we have to move yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. A, I mean, again, spoilers from the. There's a twist where suddenly you find out that Brandy, one of her kids, had died of presumably cancer, just the way it's, and so her life's not perfect after all. And so, so everybody gets better, and the, like that's how much, you know. And instead, let's worry about the true meaning of Christmas now because it's family. Like, it's Tiny so Tim weird. Dies? What's wrong with these people? <laughs> off, off screen, <laughs> Tiny Tim died off screen before the film started. Oh my god! So, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> so I, I think Gwen might have had the right idea. Ten, ten minutes an hour. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I've watched a lot of train wrecks, and that 
That sounds like it's up there. That's wild. It's Ooh, weird. Can I stitch this together, though, by yeah, taking us it. back to 1999? Because in 1999, Steve Martin made a movie called Bowfinger. I don't know if any of you has yes, ever seen it. I'm familiar with Bowfinger. Okay. All right. So you know that the ingenue in that film is Heather Graham. Yes. And that the other male lead in the movie is Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy stars in the other really big non-Hallmarker Lifetime Christmas movie that's come out this year, which is Candy Cane Lane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So somehow, somewhere, Steve Martin is sitting in his living room and he's miserable because (laughs) (laughs) these two people who were comedic geniuses in his movie like almost three decades ago now are trotting out their Christmas wares and they are apparently, I don't know. I haven't seen Eddie Murphy's movie. I don't know if anyone has heard about the press on it, but he actually Mm -hmm. also plays someone who is the head of a family and he's lost his job and he goes all out to try and kind of save his ego. Apparently by like having this amazing Christmas display on the front yard type thing. So that's the kind of movie it is. I haven't heard great things about it. So, but I'm just sort of thinking of Steve Martin. So like, we think we're in pain. We don't even know these people, but like Steve Martin knows them and imagine what he's going through. Kane Lane is currently, at a 41% on Rotten Tomatoes. For comparison, Best Christmas Ever is at a 42. What? How can it get worse than Best Christmas Ever? And by the way, it's gone down since you looked, Mav, because I'm on the page right now and it's at 40. So it okay. went down in, in 10 <laughs> seconds as we're recording. <laughs> yeah. Just. Yes. And also, like. I I, I hope that. They they take the opportunity to play Sia's Candy Cane Lane at some point in this time in the film. Otherwise, what was the point? If you're not going to, you know, have that earworm stuck in your head. <laughs> yeah, I have not seen it. It, it, it was, I was trying to maximize the number that I could watch before our episode. I actually do want to watch Candy Cane Lane, but in, in maximizing my Christmas movie exposure by a number of minutes of the film, because it did not occur to me to like go 10 minutes and out. I watched Family Switch. Jennifer Garner and Ed Helms's movie. Oh, is that um, actually a Christmas uh, movie? Yeah, I don't know if anybody else watched this. Ed Helms and, and Jennifer Garner. And what is her name? Emma something. She plays Enid on Wednesday. She plays their daughter. The premise of this, oh. mo- of this movie is it's Freaky Friday, but for an entire family of five and their dog like so so they you know everybody is bickering around christmas time and because you know families bicker and the kids are getting older and you know the kids are teenagers now and you don't understand my life mom and so you know a planetary alignment happens or something and also is a planetary alignment and rita moreno's around and she's probably an angel or something so in order to teach them a lesson of christmas their brains all get switched in their bodies and so you end up with mom and the daughter the mom and the teenage daughter switch spaces switch bodies but also the dad and the teenage son and the baby son and the dog they're all in each other's bodies for for the duration of the film and trying to work get back into their bodies but also learn valuable lessons about how maybe the grass isn't greener on the other side and maybe you know life is hard for the other family members and also uh 
also the power of family and we love each other after all because we're family and you know let's sing a song it's that kind of thing it also has like a 42 percent on rotten tomatoes but i actually kind of enjoyed it it's it i don't know how it ended up on rotten on netflix because it is not of the kinds of cozy christmas movie fair it's freaky friday you know it's just doing it's doing a big or freaky friday or or you know a 13 going on 30 or all those other movies that are exactly this premise and in fact there is one scene where after they first do the family switch part they all sort of just start the dialogue of the film is them all saying, Hey, I'm big all of a sudden. Oh, this is so freaky. Oh, this is, you know, I feel like I'm 13 going on 30. Like that's part of the dialogue. <laughs> oh my God. I feel I'm, I'm back on the dog. Like, like what did this, <laughs> like I'm trying to like understand like the human rights, animal rights issues here. And also like, how is it that the universe just gets gender? Like, con- like the idea of, Okay, dad couldn't become the daughter and the other way around. God forbid we should have that. So, yeah. Okay, I um, sound like a Grinch. So, because it, it, well, the, the universe, it's not so much that the universe gets it. The film gives you a reason. They are directly, it, it's because right when the conversion happens, there's the mom <laughs> arguing with the daughter and it, it does give you a reason. It does. Sort this is the baby be, arguing with the dog here in this? Uh, no, they're just left. It's not clear why the baby and the dog switched. because the baby and the dog were just like i think at the time of of the of the switch the teenage boy was holding the dog and the mom was holding the baby so i think i don't think the teenage i don't think the dog and the baby had any beef with each other i think they just were innocent victims caught up in the you know the drama between the teens and the parents it's not clear why that happened but you get to see a seat you know you get to see points where the baby and the dog both become cgi so that the dog can walk around on its hind legs and the baby can you know jump can run and jump and climb things like a you know jump over fences and stuff like a dog it it does have cute moments it's worth watching it's not good but it's worth watching what we're saying is that there is no nc new film this year from netflix no netflix did not i assume because of the writer strike and stuff the writer strike and the actor strike there there is no vanessa hudgens entry into the netflix cinematic christmas universe sadly i mean is is it christmas without vanessa hudgens no (laughs) justin was there a particular film or like kind of like genre or like genre trope that like you all would be interested in Ooh. I'm going to defer to Gwen. I've got a couple ideas, but Gwen. Well, actually, what I'd love to talk about just very briefly is, you know, the other two big players are Hallmark and Lifetime. And there are far fewer Lifetime movies this year than normal. Typically, in a given season, Lifetime would have around 30 or more films. This year, they have 12. And what was so funny to me yesterday is I was reading an article about this, about, and obviously, the writer's strike, I'm sure, played into it. But also, I think we don't want to underestimate the disruption in this little universe that great American family has created because it's also brought into greater relief the ideological differences among networks and the sort of play for viewers of to who align with different networks because what Lifetime said, and then I want to tell you why I thought this was so funny, but what an executive at Lifetime was saying was, well, 
we realize that there are people out there who might be feeling that this genre is getting a little tired. And so we mm-hmm. decided this year to spice it up. And so like in a couple of their movies, including my cowboy Christmas or whatever cowboy it was, Christmas that, romance. That, yeah, that's a, yeah, you know, where things, things were a little steamier than one might expect. They were saying, well, we're trying to sort of broaden the idea of this genre for a new generation of viewers. And I was sitting here and I was thinking about this because y'all do realize, right. That like, For the rest of the year, for the other 11 months of the year, Lifetime runs movies that you can just make immediate parodies of. Like my babysitters, stalkers, brothers, like infidelity with whatever. And it's like they are now standing at a a remove from this genre and and purporting to know what it needs. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what has happened to Christmas movies? The whole (laughs) thing is in disarray and if you actually really care about the genre at any level you just have to be thankful today for Lacey Chabert and we can talk about that I later. I want to talk about that too yes. Yeah <laughs> because the one thing that I will say is the thing that that sometimes has made these movies bearable over the years and even sort of valuable and funny is when you get some decent acting combined with some halfway decent writing but also people who have a sense of humor and mm-hmm. who, you know, and there was a lot of that lacking this year. Great American Family, everything mm-hmm. is so flipping earnest, but it's like mm-hmm. what they're being earnest about isn't even interesting. And no. so I'm just going to throw all that out there that I think that we're, it's not so much even that there's a particular category that I want to talk about. I just would like to say that for anyone who's followed these kinds of movies for any period of time, this was a very bad year. And again, you can attribute it to the the writer's strike, et cetera. It was a very bad year. But also, it was like a year where I think that by next year, we're going to see how a lot of this is played out. Because I sense that Great American Family isn't getting the kind of viewership that they thought. And I think what will be really interesting is to ultimately, when it's all over, see who was successful and who wasn't. Because mm-hmm. Hallmark came out with 42 movies. Yeah, and, he didn't uh, mess around, you right. know. And Great so. American Family did twenty, I think. Yeah, twenty-one, I think, and okay. Netflix did twelve. So you know, I mean, that's a fraction of last year. Lifetime, sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Lifetime, yeah, and that's actually even a departure. And no Lindsay Lohan follow-up, which really broke my heart because I thought actually that movie last it was last year or two years ago was hysterical. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. great, but at least it was Lindsay Lohan, you know, being more like her true freaky friday self but Mm -hmm. but yeah it was just it's been a very vanilla year and nothing really super remarkable there are a couple movies eventually i do want to talk about that i think were either trying and maybe didn't quite make it but tried or that actually were very good but yeah it's just it's been a weird year real quick uh, i want to to tell gwen and i think it was delayed because of the writer's strike. Cause I think originally we were expecting it in 2023, but there will be an, a follow-up to the Lindsay Lohan falling for Christmas, but it's St. Patrick's day called Iris wish. Yes. And yes. it's beginning. It began production in Ireland in like September in 2022. And so now there's going to be another Lindsay Lohan rom com thing. Mm. And yeah, we and, and actually the plot sounds kind of Freaky Friday-ish. It's when the love of her life gets engaged to her best friend, 
Maddie puts her feelings aside to be a bridesmaid in their wedding in Ireland. Days before the pair are set to marry, Maddie makes a spontaneous wish for true love, only to wake up as the bride-to-be. With her dream seeming to come true, Maddie soon realizes that her real soulmate is someone else entirely. Ooh. Also, Jane like Seymour game? is in this. Is the someone else a gamekeeper, perhaps? Or- <laughs> I, I don't know, but I, have, I would enjoy that. That would be a fun thing yeah so Lindsay lohan will return to our screens next mm-hmm. year which is a lot closer than it seems so yay but yeah Bab, we can go back to talking about christmas i saw no and i saw two that i really like one i've, I've got 10 minutes left of one that i have to but i i imagine i'm gonna be fine with it because i've stuck with it all the way but i had to stop watching in order to come record the show but the cowboy christmas romance i was thoroughly enjoying i mean i've watched it i want to make sure i watched it because it was the one getting the press and i'm using scare quotes there because it's sort of a this is a very small insular universe of you know it's a niche where people care about this thing but among people who care about this sort of thing Cowboy Christmas Romance is getting the press because it's the one where it has a sex scene and it has, you know, that, ooh, there's smut in it. It's steamy. Is this like how the Eternals had sex in it? No, so much more. So, I mean, okay, by by sex, what, what this means is sometimes people kiss, which they do in all these films, but sometimes you might kiss while the guy is shirtless and the girl is wearing a bra. Now, it's clear that they had sex after that, but you see nothing. It's, I mean, it's like a, it's a, Hey, are we going to do this? Yes, we're going to do this. They take off their shirts and you see them kiss and lay down. And then it's the next morning and they're waking up. Like it's that it's not, it's not yet like, you know, daytime soap level. It is the tamest. It's how you would shoot a sex scene. If you were in a school play in high school, right? It's literally like a, it's literally, yes, you are to understand that sex happened in that scene. That said, movie's good i mean it's a it's very much a i mean it's a cozy christmas special but it's the thing that the four of us love about cozy christmas specials they fired on all cylinders there's a precocious kid who makes sense there is a drama between you know there's a big city gal and a small town boy you know and they like each other but there is drama there is a class struggle that makes sense and there are family issues that make sense and that are relatable. You know, it's still a cozy Christmas movie. So if you're like looking at this, looking for Citizen Kane, it's not that. But it's fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Is that, a, was was that a Lifetime or was that a Hallmark movie? Sorry, go that, on. That it's Lifetime. Okay. Yeah. And the, the one thing that, that is really interesting, I think about it, is it's actually shot in the location where it takes place. And I just want to mention that because so many Christmas movies are shot either during the summer in Los Angeles, right? Or, or yeah, or, or are shot in Canada and it's supposed to be New York City. This, I I looked because I actually have a family connection to Tubac, Arizona, where this film is set. So when I saw that it was set in Tubac, Arizona, I'm like, oh yeah, right. It's going to be Vancouver or downtown Los Angeles in the distance. And no, it actually wasn't Tubac, Arizona, where my family has gone and visited. So there you go. Oh, it's real. Cool. Oh, that's fascinating. Oh, I, uh, oh yeah. It, it, it's really interesting. Always kind of like when you end up having some kind of a connection with any of the, you know, any media we consume that's, you know, surprising or unplanned. I was asking about the lifetime connection too, just because they can do more, right? Like Hallmark always has always felt very G rated to PG at most. And lifetime just does more. Right. And mm-hmm. 
I ended up watching a movie called Silent Night Fatal Night this year, uh, which was loosely tied to Christmas at best. It was pretty much just a backdrop for them to have one of their normal like thriller, you know, murder type mystery movies. (laughs) But I was just mostly shocked that was like that they ended up going through with it because it felt I mean, it was like dark because it was like, a you know, thriller Christmas movie, but also much less dark than most other Lifetime thriller movies. Like, they kind of threaded the needle in an interesting way. So but, you enjoyed it? Because I, I might have to watch this. My, as I was researching this episode, yeah, because it's research. I wouldn't be doing this otherwise. <laughs> but my wife, like, came in and she said, they need to have more, you know, they need to have more, you know, murder and dead, because she's, we watch a lot of Lifetime, or she watches a lot of Lifetime, and I wander through the room, because she actually really enjoys the lifetime murder mystery type formula. And so she was saying there should be more of that. And she's disturbed by the fact that, you know, for the month of late November through December lifetime, this network that she loves becomes focused at these, you know, girly rom-coms that she hates that I love. Right. So, so, so you're saying this is more in the vein of what the other 11 months of the year viewer of of lifetime is actually getting the hey you know don't murder my daughter and you know sleep with my husband kind of movie oh yeah it is very much like like the central premise is basically that there's a young woman who is a prolific and successful mystery author she wants to you know she wants to be done writing her mystery series her literary agent kidnaps her and then traps her in a house like misery style and then Ooh. Right. And then like bodies pile up from there. So it's very much like a lifetime movie. The Christmas, like the Christmas connection is just that he needs her to write a new mystery novel by Christmas, basically. That's it. He he couldn't ask chat GPT to do it. He had to lock her in a house. What's wrong with lifetime? There's also some really weird like technology things, too, where like. For the most part, technology doesn't work except for his cell phone. <laughs> it's super strange. Uh, the the male lead, I gotta pull up his name really quick. Michael Polkamp is actually like like pretty terrifying. Like if Lifetime did a remake of The Stepfather, he'd be a perfect fit for it. Kind of like turns on it, like turns that like creepy factor on a dime. But I also saw like a good or. or a, like a Hallmark Christmas movie that I enjoyed a lot, which was Magic and Mistletoe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Did you watch that one, Gwen? I did watch it. What did you think? Well, Paul Campbell like has become, I think, really well known for playing curmudgeons who mm-hmm. end up, you know, changing based on their relationship with the right kind of woman who understands or gets him. But it also has that prodigal son comes home aspect of the movie that Maverick was talking about before. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that at least it hit a lot of bells and whistles for what you'd expect. And I think Paul Campbell did a pretty good job. I mean, it wasn't it was it was an interesting exploration, too, I think, of what happens when you take parts of your own life and weave them into what is essentially a fantasy series. So I I thought it was it was interesting. You know, what's funny about you. I didn't I didn't love Paul in it. I thought he was fine. I I really liked Lindy Greenwood as the the female lead. I thought that they the writers gave her really good material to work with. Like there's some scenes especially early on where like she's sort of you know it's clear that like she's 
you know, a veteran, veteran actress who's been in, you know, uh, oh, she's in Sleepy Hollow and she was in The Expanse. And so, like, she kind of just came off very natural. And I thought she sort of, like, sold scenes really well. And he kind of just felt like wooden, which, again, comes from, like, playing a curmudgeonly guy. But also it just didn't. She felt like she was giving it a lot more like there was like she put more of herself in. I don't know. I overall, like I thought it was fun. And then I kind of like 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 you do with some of those movies is phased out a little bit, like maybe in the back half. <laughs> a little mm-hmm. bit. But I enjoyed it overall. I thought it was I, I thought it was fun. I like I agree with like, the prodigal son kind of returning home. But they also forced some outbursts from him and they all happen to take place like in his childhood family home and so i always felt like a little on edge like when they came back to the home i was like oh something weird might happen we're gonna get some like a drama spike for a minute Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm gonna have to check that one out the other lifetime one i watched was christmas plus one which was fine i mean it was what so typically these last few years i've greatly preferred the Netflix films to the Lifetime films or the Hallmark films and Christmas plus one was inoffensive. It was what I expect out of a Lifetime Hallmark movie. This one was Lifetime, but it's what I expect out of one of these films. It is again, Big City Gal trying to, or actually in this case, it's a little different in that they're both city folk. She is a, she's from Pittsburgh. He's from New York city and they, and it's more that she loves Christmas and he, hates Christmas because he misses his family and then they learn to love each other and there's a misunderstanding. It, it's fine. You know, it's like a, it, it is kind of a, my problem with it is there, no matter what, you don't want to invite someone to your sister's wedding that you met this week. <laughs> like the, the premise of the film is she's trapped between two guys, both of whom she met this week. And which one would be the perfect date to her sister's wedding? And the answer is maybe go solo. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I get that, you know, you don't, but yeah, maybe you don't want to, you don't want to invite someone to the wedding that you met on the way here, which is totally what happens. Um, or Mav, you call it, you cause an even bigger trauma by inviting both of them and coming as a threesome, which would be a Hallmark movie I would actually watch or Lifetime or whatever. I would love that. I would love that if there were a film that like sort of so she is trapped between the guy who likes all the same things as her and then the guy who challenges her because he likes different things. I would love if there were a Lifetime or Hallmark Hallmark movie that sort of embraced polyamory as a possible solution without judging. I mean, there's no like they're getting into this point where they're trying to embrace queerness so why not right like it, like i like like why not do a you know hey christmas is for all kinds of people and everybody can have things and you don't have to there is no one true person you know families are, are coming always sh- all shapes and forms which would be i i i'd be amazed if that doesn't happen soon just because especially with with probably lifetime is like making their definite move to like try and expand their you know their audience in a way that i will say though in in previous shows one thing we've talked about is how aggressively heterosexual many of these films and especially yeah yeah like (laughs) there have been like 
I think like I can count on one hand the queer holiday films in recent years that have gotten I'm not saying that there are not others that have gotten attention like Mm -hmm. from people beyond us who who in normal years consume I don't know like 30 of these things Mm -hmm. I I want to make sure we talk a little bit Gwen you mentioned it briefly or her briefly about the the Lacey Charbet of, of of it all, because I I have not seen any of her films this year yet, because I was holding off. Like, I, there's one that I want to see that has premiered, but it's not airing on Hallmark streaming yet. Like, you have to like catch it at the right time. I want to see the one with Scott Wolf. And for listeners, so have you seen it or no? A Scottish Christmas. Oh called. yes, um, I've absolutely seen okay. it. I want to see it. And for listeners who don't know who these people are, Lacey is probably most famous for being in Mean Girls. She played Gretchen. But when she was younger, she was on a TV show called Party of Five, where she was the youngest daughter. And it's a dramedy on Fox. And her older brother was played by Scott Wolf, who most recently starred as the father on Nancy Drew, but he's done lots of stuff. And they announced earlier, oh, we're going to you know, she's done a bunch of these Hallmark films, not just Christmas. She's just her, her her gig right now is she's employed by the Hallmark Network to make like, you know, 47 films a year or something like that. But she she announced that she was very excited to be reteaming up with Scott Wolf to make this film. And then there was this immediate backlash of, oh, my God, that's so disgusting. You can't do this because they grew up like on this show together where they played brother and sister to which she and Scott released this joint statement. Don't worry. We are not a couple in this film. We are playing a brother and sister. And like, I believe Lacey's statement was no one wants to see Claudia and Bailey kiss less than me. (laughs) She's like, no. And she was basically like, no, she's like i view scott wolf as my brother because i just do i grew up with him and so aside from the characters that you all know and love i still like we just see each other as brother and sister and i'm just ecstatic to be able to make a movie with him again after 20 years of you know not having been able to do so 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 i want to see that one but she's actually made i think two or three this year and i want that's the one i wanted to start with and it's just i couldn't stream it i have to i do have it set to record on my dvr because i really want to see it well, there's Hall of the Holly, which was last year's film. And now there's a sequel this year called Hall of the Holly Lit Up. And yes. the, it, it's funny. And, you know, you have to this is one of those films where you just you're not looking for depth. You're looking for humor. And it's kind of like a gentler home alone sort of mm-hmm. premise, not in terms of the plot, but just in terms of the way that characters are drawn and the way that they interact with each other. And it's a very, I watched the whole thing. And Mm -hmm. I also watched the Scottish one. And I will say about that one, that there's an interesting little side note there. I don't know if any of you follows the actor, Will Kemp, but he's a British actor and dancer. And he and, and Lacey were in a film last Valentine's Day that was actually quite good, set in Belgium. And I can't remember, it has the word chocolate in it, of course, and whatever. But he makes a cameo appearance here. And I'm not, I don't want to spoil it for you as to what his cameo is. But what's funny about it is they still have more chemistry together than Lacey ends up having with the guy who is meant to be her love interest in this. And so there's that. But no, both of them are actually really good. And all of the Hallmark movies this year that were set 
in another country. So there's a Norwegian one, there's a Scottish one, there's an English one. Uh, that one I have some issues with, which we can talk about if we want. That's an, I think it's something like Christmas in Notting Hill, which was one of those which I struggled through the whole thing because it ticks so many of my boxes, right? You know, because I watch Premier League and I just watched the David Beckham series on Netflix, biopic, highly recommend just because it's so wild. So like there were a lot of things to like about that movie, but it was really, in my opinion, somewhat poorly plotted. It wasn't all that. I mean, it's not, it's pretty to look at. So if you want to look at pictures of England, then it's nice. But the ones that were, the one that was set in Norway was really good. And in the sense that at least it dealt with people's holding on to pain for a long time and trying to deal with it. The, I can't speak to like how Norway is being presented and probably people from Norway, if there are, is a huge subset of your listeners from Norway, please <laughs> don't think that like, I know what a Norwegian Christmas should look like. I have no idea. But just in general, that wasn't too bad. And then also, I just want to like throw a little bit of light onto Biltmore um, because the Biltmore estate features in a holiday movie that deals with time travel. And uh, I haven't had a, I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but I have a very discerning cousin who like is not a pushover and she really liked it. And it does, I, I swear to God, One Tree Hill is just like populating these movies now, but Bethany Joy Lenz is, is in the Biltmore one. And that's not terrible. So, I mean, there are some halfway decent normative in the sense of halfway quality oriented Hallmark movies out there. But again, you know, this has not been a banner year. So just if, if someone's mm. listening to this because they really love holiday movies, um, just prepare yourself to like diminish your expectations a little bit. But Lacey has been a, a beacon of, of joy and mm -hmm. amongst some, you know, other otherwise not so awesome things. She's a really good actress and she knows she knows the movies that she's in. She's not over swinging. She's not like, oh, this is my yeah. big break. She's had her big break. You know, she had a hit TV show. She had a really big movie, Mean Girls, and she's done other stuff. But I think she she appears to just be content to be a working actress making these small films that, you know, one very particular subset loves. And she's, you know, she's working within the genre, but also trying to be interesting and trying to be a good actress. And I kind of appreciate it, I guess. Justin, I'm curious, what interests you about these films, either in general or this crop this year, if for better or for worse? Yeah, that's something I've, I was talking to. I was talking to a pal of mine about. One thing I keep coming back to is that. These movies are predictable, right? Like you kind of go mm -hmm. in knowing like you go in with the expectation that you're going to feel warm or at the very least that like, you know, the movie is going to try and make you feel warm in and sort of like smile and chuckle and groan at some like, you know, some laughably bad jokes mm -hmm. here and there. Right. And so I ended up choosing the magic and mistletoe kind of on a whim. I was just sort of like flipping through. Flipping through, I think we're watching on Peacock. We're flipping through the streaming services, and I just kind of read. I was like reading through the summary. I was like, "Oh, this looks like pretty good. Like this looks serviceable." And it kind of just checked off whatever random invisible check boxes I had. I don't know if it was just that it was like, 
like kind of cute, looked like looked like fun cast and looked relatively inoffensive, right? Like that's also kind of how I, I was viewing mm-hmm. it in some ways too. And also in some ways I sort of look at them as like a little bit of filler in between some of like the holiday classics that I look forward to and sort of like really set aside time for, you know. Sure, it's a wonderful the- life stuff. Exactly. Right. And the other thing is that they're ones that I, I know I can generally sort of like rope my family into watching maybe. OK, almost assuredly not. I probably can't get like all my family members to sign on to watch Silent Night, Fatal Night. <laughs> <laughs> my mom would be all about it, to be clear. She's a big Lifetime fan. She'd be all about it. But like that would I would just sort of. Yeah, I realized like, oh, I had a little bit too much saccharin. I think I want something a little bit like darker, but still like in that same wheelhouse in the same way that like I like watching Black Christmas for similar reasons. Right. Or like in the same way that Nightmare Before Christmas is a, you know, something that folks watch this time of year. Like sometimes like you get that that saccharin, that like good feeling. You also too much of a good thing or too much of like that safe feeling. You kind of want to balance it out here and there. Mm-hmm. And I do. I'm wondering about that too much. like. I was, you know, at the top of the game, so like, ooh, do I have fatigue or is this just a really bad year? I mean, maybe it's a little bit of both. But I do want, and, and Gwen, you talked about, you know, like, what will be the consequences of, like, the output this year and, like, how different networks are choosing to go and, like, Great American Family not being, like, a success. Like, how big, how many cheesy Christmas movies can one network or even this conglomeration of networks that like invest in them make before it's too much. And I, I also am wondering about like the rewatchability of some of these, like what networks are like hoping you rewatch and like what networks are hoping you watch one time consume. And the whole point is just putting out more and more like content, right? Like Netflix, I feel like really wants me to rewatch the princess switch every year. It like shows it to mm-hmm. me. Now, now to be fair, it know, I think at this point it knows that, Vanessa Hudgens. And you will rewatch it. Yeah. Christmas, I will. Re- yeah. Night Before Christmas, top tier film. Like, pun <laughs> alone. Ama- amazing. But, like, I-, I think that, you know, Netflix has always, like, you know, kind of, our-, our streaming services kind of have, and now it's less true because of the dumping of the Disney Plus and the Max. Like, you know, it's like, you can just rewatch anything anytime. But, like, Hallmark, like, they make so many of these. Like, do they ever like reshow like old ones? Like, oh yeah, no, actually they do. They do. <laughs> yeah. I love how Mav and I were so earnest about that at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Gwen. Yes. Well, I was just going to say also, you know, I watch these on Friendly, which is a streaming service where you can get all of the like Hallmark channels plus Lifetime. And so you not only have them going 24 hours a day on all of these channels, but also you can record them or you can ask for suggestions. So, you know, you can go back and watch. You can curate your experience pretty much, which actually for this year, I think would be a really good idea. I would be curating it. Also, I do want to say one other thing. We're sort of in the middle of December right now. A lot of the best films may be coming. It's possible that these services have kept Mm -hmm. their best films for last because they know that for some people, they're just, they have lives where they're not academics who have side interests in popular culture or are 
totally working in popular culture. And they may not have time to watch a lot of these movies until about now. So it'll be very interesting to see the quality of the movies that debut tonight that have debuted this weekend Mm. and that Mm. will go for the next week or so, because maybe the quality will uptick a little, but if I were Mm. just based on what I've seen so far, yeah, Hannah, I have to agree. Like this has not been a year where I would, there there are only a handful of films I would rewatch willingly. And Mm. and by the way, I've asked this question about like, do people rewatch Hallmark films? And I know they do because From the library, I have gotten the Hallmark film Love on Iceland on DVD and watched it at home for the lols. And I do not regret that decision. That was a 2020 Hallmark film. But yeah, but like I I am like, you know, you know, I I think I like I guess too what I'm asking is like, even though technically, yes, people can rewatch them. It's also like. Is that what they're meant for? Is or, or like yeah. you know, is it like fast fashion? But what what's interesting to me about that is is I was looking through Emily Wetzel and Emily Newman put out an edited collection on Hallmark Channel back in like 2019, and their intro basically talks about talking talks about the Hallmark Christmas production rate. And back in 2019, Hallmark had put out 40 movies that year. So if they're putting out 42 this year and 40 back in 20 like they're pretty steady which i think is which i think is kind of interesting that like they're staying at about that production right even with mm-hmm. these other services and production companies sort of really trying to give them a lot of competition and i think too that they have a better handle on it than some of the other genre shows like i keep talking about like sci-fi channel because they're another they're like another you know genre machine but they sort of they were doing something similar where they were putting out like 30 or 40 of their original sci-fi monster movies a year. Mm-hmm. And they basically oversaturated after Sharknado and they only make one or two a year. Now they've right. figured out other ways to generate revenue and content. Whereas I think Hallmark and, and Lifetime and these, they found a, a good way to capitalize on that. by really sort of like fine tuning that formula, whether it's changing the space to international locations or adding in, one additional genre flair, right? Like the night and Christmas or the cowboy one, or, you know, any different sort of riff on like the magical Christmas element in different ways, or even like, you know, Santa family connection. Right. I think that they've found those. And I think because people end up being in the mood for these come December or like late November, yeah, they both have like a pool of rewatchability as well as like, Oh, we got to catch the next one. we got to catch the new Lacey Chabert one. Right. Mm. So I guess we've like, as usual, resolve nothing. Yeah. I am sad that there aren't as many this year, but also, like, if I could recommend one, I absolutely, I really do recommend a cowboy romance Christmas. That one I very much enjoyed. And I think that if you are, if you like a sappy rom com of the type that these movies should classically be, it is a very well done one. I can't speak to the Scottish Christmas one, but I like I, I'm looking forward to that one because I enjoy the actors who are in it. Like and, you know, so Gwen knows it better than I do, but I'm hoping it would be good. Everything else, you know, this is not the year where I feel like 
where I feel like I can just sort of recommend pe- to people and be like, no, there's something there. There's something, you know, where like Hannah and I have done this even recently. We will podcast time travel either this week or next week or the week after At sometime in the near future. We will be on the protagonist podcast talking about, you know, our perennial favorite Christmas on the square. And I, you know, with that, I always felt like, hey, this is a chaotic, crazy fever dream of a movie, but I can tell people to watch it because I can say you will not be bored. And most of the ones this year, I can't say that about. Like I can even the one I enjoyed, I can only say, you know, you're only going to no one's going to be turned by a cowboy Christmas romance. Nobody's going to be like, oh, there's actually something here. The cowboy Christmas romance is the film for people who like this sort of thing and want to see a very good example as opposed to, you know, previous years. Netflix, if you're listening, back up a truckload of money to Vanessa Hudgens's house. She really (laughs) cares about the Princess Switch movies. Or we've been waiting for the night before Christmas Princess Switch crossover. Absolutely. What I are assume you doing? There's going to be, yeah, I assume there's going to be, you know, an end game style crossover that is going to happen in that world that would have happened already if, if not for writers and actor strikes. So, you know, please, Christmas 2024, we need to see this. I, I need to see, you know, the the all Vanessa Hudgens Christmas movie. <laughs> Where she plays every part, male and female. She just you just want to put her in every role. That's fine. She can pull it off. I think so. Anyway, Gwen and Justin, thank you guys for coming and doing this. Was fun. It's always good to have someone to talk about these films with. So it's not just me and Hannah. We didn't have to have our family come on this time. That's true. <laughs> well, it was my pleasure. It's always fun to talk about these movies. So. Yeah, truly. Thanks, y'all, for having me on. This is awesome, and I can't wait for next year. Like, I'm going to be eagerly awaiting next year's episode. <laughs> when, when you please, have please a, come back. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and come back and talk to us about what's going on with the Sci-Fi Channel, because that sounds fascinating. Yeah, yeah I'd be happy to. Really, the next, really the next year's episode should just be all about whether that Vanessa Hudgens crossover happens or not. Yeah, please, morning fingers and- crossed. Please, <laughs> I, so I want this so bad. Santa, our only wish this year. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, as long as I don't have to be plug? either a baby or Good. dog. Oh God. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay. So I will recommend. Like, I think the three of you will appreciate Family Switch. It is not good, but I think you will appreciate it in a more so than you probably appreciated Best Christmas Ever, which, you know, yeah, like, but I, I do recommend that you guys at least try Family Switch, but it's not good. Probably Christmas Romance. I'm telling you, that's where it's at. Justin, anything you want to plug this time? Yeah, so if folks are keen, I have a an article coming out on the Jurassic Park film franchises <gasps> games. You just uh, you just said Come some magic words that are going to get you invited this. to another episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's a special issue of an international film academic journal called Synergy, C-I-N-E-R-G-I-E. That's going to be all dedicated to like a like a 30th anniversary special, basically. And uh, I was very generously invited to write about the Jurassic Park game. So I have a piece out in that I'm really excited about. I tried to write it pretty, pretty user friendly, uh, pretty conversationally. And I talked about all these really weird and strange Jurassic Park game products, like a uh, really funny and interesting Japanese comic adventure RPG that came out in, like 1992. And I talk about some 
Anyways, a whole bunch of good stuff. So I'm excited about that piece. If you like dinosaurs and games, uh, that should be coming out in the next month or two, early 2024, late 2023. Yeah. Turns out I know a woman who does love Jurassic Park and games. Hannah, do you know anybody like that? Um, (laughs) I I selfishly just need to ask, do you also talk about things that are kind of veiled Jurassic Park, but not official like Dinosaur Island? I mentioned in the I mentioned Dinosaur Island and Escape from Dino Island, which is a really wonderful indie RPG. Yeah. I mentioned them in the intro, and I was going to the you know like the expanded B you know B version of this paper was weaving a lot more into that. But as I started researching it, there are so many weird Jurassic Park games. Like I, uh-huh. that, that's a whole another thing I want to write and talk about. Yeah, and there's a and there's a new Jurassic Park game that just got announced a survival so more yeah it's a juggernaut so that's, that's my only major plug like i said i know a woman who uh, who could it be <laughs> uh so yeah uh, look for an episode in your future about jurassic park games is what i think we're saying here but <laughs> gwen what about you anything you'd like to plug well if you're interested in artificial intelligence at all i am interviewed on science friday the episode came out last month and you can find it on their website and i'm talking about the way that universities are responding to generative ai so i know it's not nearly as exciting as jurassic park but who knows down the road it might be just as consequential in terms of like how we live our lives so i have that going on so i mean like you know i think that jurassic park and AI speak to and, and how universities are handling AI speak to each other. So like this, the AI is the dinosaur. There you go. There you go. I, I'm I actually totally teaching agree, a class on this. So. Yeah, we're, 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 we will talk. We might come back and talk about that, too, because I actually am teaching a class that deals with that heavily next semester, as well as, you know, it is an ongoing topic at every university. But in particular, mine, since, as I've mentioned before, I, I work specifically in a program, digital narrative and interactive design, which at the University of Pittsburgh, where we are specifically dealing with the intersection between English lit and computer science that's like that's my actual job these days so so yeah uh, i find that interesting and we'll have to talk about that again soon right in the meantime palindrome hannah you know i am kind of here sometimes so just like (laughs) it's literally maybe christmas as you're listening to this so you know if you have the ability donate to your local food bank or National Network of Abortion Funds or other charity of a thing that you care about that's doing good in the world because tis the season for giving if you're able. That's all I got. You did specify a charity that's doing good in the world. There are some charities yes. that we don't support. <laughs> yeah. Y- 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 yes. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or Blue Sky or. Um, I don't know, Macedon, all of the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show. Some of those places we're on Facebook and Twitter and Blue Sky at Vox Popcast. Uh, you can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com, where we post about whatever we're going to be talking about next week, except for I don't think we're going to do this. This week, we've got a bunch of random, you know, we're, we're at that end game of the of the year point where we are, where our next several shows are devoted to topics that we've already sort of pre-planned. You know, we've got our year end show coming up. We've got our box office show coming up. We've got our exciting 300th 
episode anniversary show coming up and i don't know what that is so if you've got a thought at what we should talk about on our 300th anniversary you know go and comment on our blog tell us what you think tell us what you think of this show or any other show or topics that you want to see or what we should talk about for our 300th anniversary that would be useful for us and make our lives a lot easier if you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify or Pandora or wherever the hell you get podcasts from. And do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes, Apple Podcast, or Spotify, that gooses the algorithm, makes us more popular, and really helps us out. Plus, they're just fun to read. especially So if you don't just leave five stars, but if you write something about how you enjoy the show, that's really helpful. I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd once again like to thank Gwen and Justin for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.